Well, we're fully prepped now for a rate hiking cycle and quantitative tightening, it seems. The bond market has clearly taken notice. We're seeing opportunity all over the shop. Big drawdowns coming through in technology stocks and in the Russell. Gold and silver are going the opposite way. It's time to assess the trade-off. Well, hi there, my name's Chris Weston. I'm Head of Research here at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. We're going to be unpacking, we're going to be analysing, navigating all the landmines, trends and setups from this mad world of trading. And there are plenty of them there. There's some big, big themes that we need to get amongst it today. So remember, if you do like what you're hearing, smash the like button. We'd appreciate that as well. And let's get going with the programme today. I think it's a really interesting situation that we've got in markets. I think before we go anywhere, um, but I want to bring Blake into the program. Where are you with us, Blake? I'm here. There you How are, you mate. doing, Chris? I want to, before we go into the markets, I just thought we'd just go for a couple of things that really caught my eye. First of all, Somalian pirates have created their own stock exchange. So they're basically being able to fund their unscrupulous behaviors effectively by going out into the market and getting funding. I thought that was really, really quite a funny situation too. I'm not sure if you're going to any sort of seed capital going onto that one as well. And another interesting article, which is really relevant as well, because what we're going to be talking about throughout today's show is that one of the ETF providers have, have just created what they call a breakfast ETF controlling um, coffee, orange juice and pork as well, lean hogs, should we say. And I thought that was quite an interesting one because it really brings out thematic a lot of stuff that I hope that we're going to be talking about as well. So again, is that something that's on your radar? Is it something that you're going to be uh, diving deep into uh, going forward? Well, it depends. As far as the breakfast ETF, how, how heavy weighted is coffee? Because it better be like very heavily weighted for yeah. a breakfast ETF. That would be one. And you know, when you talk about Somali pirate exchange, well, haven't they already been doing that with Bitcoin for like oh, years? There he is. Oh, that's gotta <laughs> hurt. Oh, there he is. There he is. There he is. Well, I'm, I want to catch on because like the agricultural space is just super hot at the moment, and there's some great opportunities in what for a lot of people is quite a niche asset class, a niche part of the market. Unless you're a trade tra trend follower, and there's just so much to talk about it. So let's go straight into the program. Let's go into topical funder and discuss some of these thematics. Well, Blake, look, we've got bond markets. Bond markets are front and centre with your trade in NASDAQ, with your trade in the Russell. Yeah, we're looking at what's happening in gold and silver, and we're going to focus a lot on those in a moment. But, uh, you know, you can't escape at the moment. The, the rates market, if you look at you know, Fed funds futures are priced, priced, you know, not just a full rate hike for, for, for the March meeting, but there's some people out there saying, should we be discussing a 50 basis point hike from the Federal Reserve? Uh, in the March meeting, that's only a couple of months away. Then you go out to the full year, we're pricing in more than four rate hikes. You know, we've seen two-year yields just really going for it. Ten-year treasuries have started moving up. They're, they're, you know, we started to see a bit of a flatter curve, but ultimately, you know, the, the Nasdaq's responded to this, the Russell's responded to this. Um, you know, I talk about my thesis in gold, which I think is actually a hedge against the policy mistake. And I think, therefore, it's a really great question to ask you. I mean, with such rich pricing and such elevated expectations, when so much of the inflation has been caused by supply side shocks. How much should we be concerned with this pricing if the if it does become to fruition that further down the line that we could actually see a policy mistake from central banks? Well, so I'm glad you brought this up, Chris. You know, I, this last week I was doing an interview with uh, with an with a gentleman by the name of Jim Welsh of Macrotides, yep. and I was trying to figure out myself how the market could be more 
how could they get more hawkish from here or how how the FOMC could get more hawkish or expectations? And he said something that was rather interesting. He said he thinks that the Fed's going to front load rate hikes. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. That's a that's a tall ask. And here we are this week, you know, with this. Now people are starting to price in the, the fact that the Fed might actually raise rates a little bit more aggressively. And people are now starting to talk about it. And I was like, yeah, maybe that is something we, we need to worry about. So I don't know, Chris, I, I'm looking at, you know, when you, you see you see yields rip higher and, and bonds drop and break down seeing levels that we haven't seen since 2019. I'm starting to think, Maybe that is what the market is, is expecting. What are yeah. your thoughts? Well, I think, um, look, the, the, the moves, the breakout that we've seen in gold, the breakout in silver, silver's just gone for it, up, 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 and palladium as well. And why are they doing that? Well, they're saying to me that they've just completely separated from real rates and nominal treasuries. They will have a very strong inverse correlation, but that's just, that's broken down. Why for me? It's because the market wants gold in their portfolio, 10% allocation, because they're saying, you know, if they get it wrong, you know, there's going to be a big pivot from these central banks and gold is going to absolutely rip. So they're front loading that situation. You're buying gold, you're buying precious metals in case of a policy mistake. Now, you know, obviously the Fed will be reactive. And, and I think people are looking at the S&P, the Nasdaq and the drawdown we're seeing there and saying, well, you know, look, these are the markets that will tell us if they think that the Federal Reserve are getting this wrong. And of course, we, we, we know there's a Fed put in there somewhere. The question is, is how far it goes down. So the concern for us is yeah. if, if the equity market pulls back, you know, rates pricing will come out as, as people go that they're over, you know. So I think listen to the markets, but gold and silver really telling us quite a clear message this week, I think. Well, you know, it, it, it is. And, and, and actually, that's what I wanted to bring up next. You know, since you were on the topic of, you know, bonds and, and what the bond market's doing, you know, which obviously we look at yields being the inverse of that. I actually wanted to draw our attention over to the US dollar Japanese yen, which has had, especially in recent months, a very strong correlation to the 10 year yield. And as 10 year yields have broken higher, uh, the dollar yen would break higher. And, you know, we were trading at multi year highs just, uh, just literally a couple of weeks ago on the dollar yen. But the, the thing it, that's happened this week is we continue to see a rally in yields. Uh, I think when I'm, you know, since it was Martin Luther King holiday here in the US, uh, you know, I wasn't paying as close attention to the markets, but I, I looked on Twitter, somebody said, you know, yields are 10 year yields are limit up or, you know, bonds are limit down. I forget what the tweet was. And I was like, man, I looked at the 10 year and they were ripping higher at the beginning of this week, you know, I looked at the dollar yen automatically because you know Pavlonian uh, behavior would have me look at the dollar yen, and the dollar yen hasn't responded. So now you're starting to see the yen respond like gold more to maybe a policy misstep by the by the Fed. It's starting to strengthen. We're seeing the dollar yen go down as yields go higher. And I was always looking for that. Where was that um, point? Where the market starts to, you know, mm. trade the dollar yen a little differently, and I think we're there. What do you, What are your thoughts on this? You know, this this uh, uh, behavior in the dollar yen. Well, Pavlovian, it's one of my favorite cakes. <laughs> Just, I was getting a little lunchtime, but uh, rubbish gag, sorry. Like, I mean, we've got a situation where I think you're going to see dollar yen moving similar to sort of what we've seen in gold. And that is the the sense that you know, the, the, these market pricings have become so rich um, in terms of expectations, and probably rightly so. I mean, you've got 7% um, 
you know, inflation rates in the US, you, um, you know, you've got obviously full employment. They need the Fed need to act. There's no doubt about that in my mind. They, the Fed need to do their job, and I think they are doing. They, they they're making noises. They're going to do their job. The question now is 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 will you know. I don't think you're going to see anything higher. I just don't think you're going to see higher rate pricing in there. So if the market senses a slowdown, if we see you know, some of the data points, we're already seeing that. The New York Fed numbers were, were awful, the manufacturing numbers there. Retail sales numbers were recently quite poor. If they start raising rates and we see business, consu- uh, business and consumer confidence getting smacked as a result of higher Fed funds rate and higher expectations of, of interest rates when it's been a supply shock that's hit us, do you know what's going to happen? Rate hikes are going to come out of the market and dollar yen is going to go down. So the market will tell you equities will pull back and uh, you know rate hikes will come out. Dollar yen is going to go down. So I, I think tactically, um, yeah, I'll be looking rallies to, to sell into dollar yen in my opinion. Okay, so you don't think that if the, if the rate hikes will come out of the uh, out of the market, the dollar yen won't won't rally then on risk appetite? Then we could. Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's an interesting situation for sure. Um, but I think, given it, I think its correlation with rates and, and, and yields will be there. So yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Um, dollar yen has been obviously um, uh, related to it. But no, do you know, there's a better trade out there, Blake. You know, Aussie dollar would probably be a much better trade than, than dollar yen in that situation. If the market rallies because of that, then yeah, Aussie yen would probably be a much better trade to look at as well. So yeah, obviously one to look there at. There you go. Well, you know, since we're talking about, you know, weird moves in the markets and, and 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 correlations that aren't really jiving i really wanted to talk about emerging market currencies because what we haven't seen chris is we haven't seen the emerging market currencies respond well to or actually let me take that back as stocks have been going down usually emerging market currencies tend to just get pummeled and we've seen that dynamic all of 2021 Hmm. and this year it's been a little different and as stocks have come off emerging market currencies have really held their held their own and i haven't been able to put my finger on exactly the whys that emerging market currencies have really performed well but i'm wondering is this an opportunity if stocks continue to get hit do we start selling emerging market currencies because that's typically the correlation that I play into. Um, and I wonder if they're just, it's just more lagging right now. What are your thoughts on emerging market currencies and how they're performing at the moment? Yeah, you're right. I think you bring up a really good point, you know, um, and we can look at EM in, 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 in specific isolation. You know, what's happening in Turkey is, is, is very much idiosyncratic of what's happening in Turkey. Yes. Uh, and to, the Turkish lira has found some, some stability. But generally speaking, I think what you're doing is you're seeing a separation um, between this kind of risk on risk off vibe that, that traditionally has plagued EM. So you know, when, when you get to see tighter financial conditions, emerging market currencies would get smacked. That, that's obviously not happening at the moment, like you say, because most of these EM cu- cu- currencies are still hiking and they're, they're giving off the impression that they're going to hike at a much more aggressive pace going forward. So until we can actually see evidence, and it yeah, plays into this, this role of what we're seeing in the US as well, until we see evidence that this higher US, or, you know, this higher Fed funds rate and the higher interest rates in those economies is starting to actually negatively impact um, economics. I think that that, that relationship is going to break down between you know, equity markets and EM currencies. So yeah, we're still looking at um, that support to EM currencies in this backdrop of, of rising rates from you know, lots of LATAM currencies in, in Europe as well, and some of the you know, EM currencies there. So I think uh, yeah, while 
we're still expecting much more rate hikes to come through, you're going to have that separation breaking down between risk appetite in equity markets and, and, and that need to sell EM currencies. So certainly that's my thesis. I think that you know, people will be buying dips in EM. Um, but you know, when we get that turn, if we do get the turn that the, the, the people think the policy mistake from the Fed comes in, then I think EM rips, absolutely rips, but we're not there yet. I mean, so similar sort of to, to the thesis what I have in gold there. So what about you? Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, and I do, you know, just because I was thinking, you know, it probably has a lot to do with flows, I'm assuming, yeah. at this at this stage. But you're right, you know, if we do start to see the market reprice what the Fed is doing, then EM does rip. I, I'm, I'm looking at the US dollar as South African Rand. It's back at support where I've played it on the long side as a big inverted head and shoulder pattern. I've been trying to nibble at it down at these levels and be long the dollar against the Rand again. And I'm not getting paid to do so. And um, so I'm wondering, maybe the RAND takes a turn for the t- turn for the better and starts heading higher. You know, I think the other thing, just quickly, we're going to talk about crude in a sec, because I think that's been on the way. But one of the things is there's been such a massive concentration in, in positioning in US tech, you know, these, these, these um, monopoly business businesses, um, you know, high you know, growth companies and the money is is moving out of that area so international funds have been parked in in u.s tech that money is being redeployed around the world that's why the u.s dollar is not strengthening in my opinion on the back of this move that we've been seeing in yields and some of that's going back into em and i think that's that's keeping it supported as well so that concentrated dollar position that we've been seeing in tech i think is now being redistributed as we've seen with with russell coming down and also the nasdaq getting smacked now so you've got to think it comes into your point of flows there but have a look at crude as well because crude's been one of the big talking points as well we saw a break of that october um those october highs for a large period of time it held that yesterday and i think we saw you know news that there'd been this pipeline explosion between you know iraq and turkey that was accounting for 450,000 barrels a day um you know through this session in in the session that we're talking about tonight uh, your session today uh, we have seen a few sellers kick in and it's it's closed below that October low. So could, is this a start? Was that a fake out? Is it a powerful move? I think that the crude market's been super bullish, right? Everyone's talking about 90 bucks because the fundamentals have justified it. You've got underinvestment. Um, you know, most of the OPEC nations are not living up to their output um, quotas that they should. They're actually well under. Um, you know, you've got a scarcity going on at the moment. Demand looks like it's going to pick up. So there's a whole host of reasons why crude should be where it is at the moment. But, you know, look, I know you've been watching the crude market very very closely we failed to close above that october high it's a failed breakout so i mean what do you think about this but it's it's been something that's resonated across the spectrum you know high crude prices have played into the bond market into the equity market it's really important right yeah, it is. But and l- l- let's not forget, this is something that you identified last week, Chris, rightly so. You were identifying crude and how strong it was and how it might hit the $86 level, the recent highs. And uh, if I remember correctly, you were looking to sell these levels. Now, here's the thing. This, this, is a, this is a setup for me a little bit later on in the show. So I don't want to take to, to go too far away from this. But I, I do say that I will say this, that I think that crude is going to be following risk a little bit. So as risk appetite wanes, I think crude oil is going to back off of these these levels. And I think that, you know, high prices are going to end up weighing on crude. But you don't think eventually, you, you, you know? don't think that, that, that crude is driving risk sentiment. So you think that crude is actually being dictated to by risk sentiment. I, I, I take the view that perhaps it's driving risk sentiment and maybe that maybe this is the, the head and, and, and the market is effectively the tail. What do you think on that one? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of thinking the opposite, but you know, then again, 
I, every time I I turn around, I think crude should be pulling back here. It it just it it legs up another another notch higher. So you know. Who, who knows? But but I will tell you this: it is one thing that is supporting risk. If there's anything out there that's keeping probably the S and P above the 4,500 level is crude at these levels. Mm. Yeah, that I'd I mean, have to argue. No, absolutely. And I think the energy sector's just done really well. So we've been talking to clients about this idea about being able to play long short strategies. We talked about a long short strategy of, of Berkshire Hathaway against um, against the Arc Innovation. That trades work beautifully. But I think the other trade that we, you know, if, if you want to play it for equities, is is long um, the XOP and short the SPY, which is the the the, the S and P ETF effectively. And that trade's working well. And you're playing energy effectively through that. So that trade's working well. But yeah, I mean, we're looking at we're at these key levels at the moment. It's make or break time for. for the oil price um, at these levels, and I think that that's something. If it does break out and, and, and holds it and starts trending, yeah, we're going to be talking ninety bucks. But I've been looking to sell into these levels. But the price, we just need to see it looking a bit more vulnerable now. And I want to see it roll over a little bit and and heading a little bit a little bit lower in the short term. But we are at key levels. Crude has to be on everyone's radar at the moment. And we're going to go into some of the charts now and have a look at some of the the intricacies that we're seeing, some of the flow, some of the price action, the technicals, the patterns, and and let's go into that's a setup. Okay, let's chat gold. We get a lot of requests for people to, to talk about gold, and the setup looks absolutely phenomenal, in my opinion. We're not quite there yet, Blake, but uh, you've got that kind of rounded bottom. I've got a weekly chart there because it gives great oversight. We can trade in and out of those positions. We're trading off daily charts as a swing trade, or whether you want to take that really down and go into some sort of day trades or scalps. Um, Overall, yeah, you've got to look at the rhythm, the feel off the weekly, and you've got that, what looks like a cup and handle, but we've got a kind of broadening megaphone that, that comes on the right-hand side. We've broken through 18.30, which is the recent swing high. The bulls are in control of this, but it does need to break that downtrend, those series of lower highs that we've been seeing. It comes in around 18.50. If we can get a close above that on a specifically on a weekly basis, you know, for me, that's when the trend followers come in. The CTAs, the systematic guys are going to start dripping length into this market. Um, gold is underloved. You know, it's under-owned at the moment. You've seen that in the positioning. You see that in the optionality. Uh, a break of 18.50 and, and, you know, the swing that we got into late or Q4 of last year. Um, yeah, then it trends and it starts trending higher. Gold is a hedge against a policy mistake, not an inflation hedge, a policy mistake. And that's why people are moving and that's why it's diverted there. I love this setup, but it needs to complete and it needs to go through 18.50. What are your thoughts there, Blake? You know, here's the thing about gold that you 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 throw out the number 1850, but the 1850 num- uh, level is the 78% retracement of mm. the uh, that would be November highs to December lows. So really, a breach above that uh, on a closing basis, as you pointed out, I think really puts at least the 1900 level back in play. But I love basing patterns like this. I love cup and handles. I love accumulation like this. So. I'd agree, and and you know, gold has every reason on a, from a macro perspective to be going higher. You know, just from inflation expectations to rates moving higher, gold should be moving higher. And maybe this is, you know, this is the early stages of it making that move. So I like it. Yeah, I like it too. And I think you know, maybe it's the relationship about Bitcoin and people, you know, wanting Bitcoin. Over. I think that's that's kind of broken. Silver though, I haven't got a chart of silver, but go and have a look at the daily charts of silver. It just looks beautiful at the moment. I know it's the high beta current uh, cousin of gold, but if gold's going to go up like this, you know, I think silver's going to go up at a high base. So yeah, I think this is this needs work. It needs to complete, but this has to be on everyone's radar at the moment. 
All right. Well, you know, my my uh, my next chart I wanted to bring up to you guys is the uh, the dollar CAD and the dollar CAD. You know, a lot of people, and I've seen it all over uh, tw FinTwit. Everybody's looking at this dollar Canadian head and shoulder pattern. And you know, if there's one thing that I've learned over the last 25 years of of looking at charts and and analyzing charts technically, is that if there's one pattern that's going to fail on you, it's the head and shoulder pattern or the inverted head and shoulder pattern. So what I mean by that is I don't think it's going to complete. Actually, I see it more as a wedge. And you can see that wedge has allowed us to, to, to make a move down to the ascending trend line that comes in right around the 125, uh, 124.50, 60 level. And you'll notice that today we made a lower low but then closed higher. We closed above the 200 day moving average and that's a 50% retracement. And, you know, uh, being the 50% retracement and the uh, the 200 day moving average and a possible double bottom false breakdown, I think the risk is that we move back up towards 126. I think the dollar CAD is taking its cues off of crude oil as well yep. because the turn in the CAD happened when crude kind of peaked intraday as well. So I think that's this dollar Canadian setting up. Now, if it does break below 124.50, that's a pretty clear indication that we're going back to 123 and possibly the low 120s, you know, like 121, 120 and a half. Yeah. So if you're looking to get long, this is probably the place to do the, it. What the are your other, thoughts? The here, other Chris? thing there you've got to look at is, is the Bank of Canada meeting um, coming up on the on the 26th for you guys, uh, 27th really early in the morning. Market's pricing a 65 or 62 percent chance that the Bank of Canada raise rates. If they don't raise rates, you're going to get 126. You know they're going to write, you know that that CAD pricing is going to reprice and yeah dollar cad's going to rally and of course you've got the fed meeting as well uh, the day after but uh yeah i mean obviously we're looking at 62 percent chance there that the, the bank of canada raise if they don't raise that dollar cad's going up obviously if they do there might be a you might see a test of that that trend line but it, i mean you've got so much different support levels to look at as well and, and that's something that, that yeah a lot of people should be looking at but yeah down to rates and um yeah if they don't raise then yeah you're going to see some big vol and, and dollar cad's going to move up and talking about trend breaks well let's have a look at the what's going on in the r2k or the Russell 2000 or what we call the US 2000 here at Pepperstone and you can see uh, on the trading view chart there that this has held a range we talked about this a, a couple of times on the show uh, in 2021 but you've you've got this this trading range that, that had been really holding uh, since February we saw that failed breakout in November yeah a lot of people getting bullish including myself on the back of that and there obviously proved to be a failed breakout or a fake out that it came back to test the range you know you can see that on the B that we had that, that little bit of a rally but we've now broken the range and again the, the two questions you've got to ask yourself here is are we going to see a similar situation, obviously inversely to what we saw in, the, in, in round letter A, where we obviously had the failed breakout? Is this going to prove to be a failed um, breakout to the downside on this trading range in the Russell? Or is this going to start bear trending? Of course, the, you know, for people who are trend following, people who are trading on the momentum, you know, we can look at short positions at the moment. And then obviously, if you get if it, if it comes back, you get stopped out uh, for, and you obviously don't lose a lot of money. That's the idea here. But if this starts going, you know, this could be trading down at 1900 fairly soon. That's something we are looking at. It's a bit oversold. You can see that from the various oscillator. I've got the rate of change. I've got the RSI and where it sits in its Bollinger Band on that third oscillator there. But you can see this is broken out of its trading range at the moment. A lot of people are talking about this one now. Is this about to go down to 19,000 or are we going to see a fail break? You know, I quite like short positions at the moment and getting stopped out if, for, a, for a small amount. What do you think, Blake? You got any, uh, you got any ideas on this one? 
You know, I, I just think that these false breakouts lead to breakdowns. I love it when traders get caught wrong-footed because it <laughs> usually swings the other direction. It's, yeah. I mean, you know, look, I'm a trader. I'm I'm a predatory trader at that. That's what we all do. So when you can you catch the majority of the market caught off sides, that's a good trade. And so to play this to the short side makes a lot of sense to me. And so I, I think that, you know, your lower levels where you have A, B, C, D, or X in this case on your chart, I think that's a realistic expectation for this next move. Yeah, I think this is one that's been on a lot of people radar getting a lot of notice. So yeah, I think everyone should be uh, taking note, taking note of this range break. The longer they are, those ranges, the, you know, the more meaningful they are when they do break down. Well, speaking of ranges, uh, let's take a look at the Kiwi. Now, this isn't necessarily a range, but what I can tell you is that's a bear flag pattern. And it has all the char characteristics of being a bear flag setup. The reason why is we've we've seen this consolidation. Uh, this consolidation's really lasted since December of last year. And we have barely, barely been able to reach the 38% retracement. That is very characteristic of a bearish consolidation. And so all I'm waiting for now is a break below 60.6740, uh, 6740. And that's gonna open up the downside. And I, I think there's a lot of people that are bullish Kiwis expecting for a, a much bigger move higher. And I'd, I'd hate to be the one to say this, but you want, we break 67 cents. I think we're see, we're going to see 64 cents mm. before we get anywhere near 70 cents. So what are your thoughts here, Chris? I mean, this is a pretty pretty bearish price action in the Kiwi. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at Aussie Kiwi. I know a lot of people hate that cross because it's slow beta. It's a, you know, it doesn't really move as, as aggressively as you would do in Aussie dollar, Aussie uh, sorry, Kiwi dollar, Kiwi yen, for example. But that's putting pushing right up to the top end of its range. And whilst I'm not necessarily like a, a huge Aussie bull, um, I think that, that that if that breaks through, that could be a really interesting trade from the long side. But I will say fundamentally, yeah, the next RBNZ meeting doesn't happen until the end of uh, end of February. You know, it comes out on the 23rd of February. The market is already pretty excited. We've got a 27% chance that we get a 50 basis point hike. So 127% chance of a hike effectively. Now, I don't think they're going to get a 50 basis point hike. I think we're going to get 25 at the most there. So fundamentally, you've got to see a bit of rates pricing coming out of the Kiwi. It tells us that potentially we're going to go down a little bit there. It's probably a risk off story. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. The price is always true when you're trading currency markets. It's the aggregation of flow. If it breaks, you know, it breaks through that, that, that pattern, the flag pattern, you know, it goes down to, you know, I'll be looking to go short. If it breaks then at 67, I'll probably be ramping that up. Maybe it goes down to 64. I probably wouldn't trade with a target, but, uh, you know, I think that the price action needs to be respected. I think that's a great setup to look at a day. So, um, yeah, really interesting one. Thanks for bringing it up. So let's go to the next section, right. which is going to be our play of the day. It goes back to the uh, to the breakfast ETF, and that's why I brought it up because yeah, lean hogs is just a setup that I just think is is fantastic at the moment. What I like about these these commodities, these kind of agricultural soft commodities that we see, is when they trend. You know, these guys trend like no other asset class, in my opinion. They really go and, and just go in a continuous motion, whether you're looking at orange juice, whether you're looking at you know, oats, all these kind of factors. Coffee. Look at, look at the daily chart of coffee at the moment. That looks really positive as well. What we're seeing at the moment is this really big move up in, in commodity markets. And what I like about this is you've had this basing pattern after a drawdown that we saw in, in Q3 of last year. Now, we've just sort of traded sideways. And you can see the Bollinger Band there, two standard deviations of the 20-day moving average. That's just started to 
to turn, we've got price closing above that top end of the range. You can see the top uh, oscillator there is the rate of change, best momentum indicator that I reckon that, that you've got out there. You've got the RSI moving higher and it's closed above this. This, is, this could kick on and it could kick on hard. So this is one that I like to be long. Uh, if it closes back below there, I'm getting out very quickly. But if this goes, it could be fireworks there. So lean hogs, I'm an exotic man. I'm trading exotic instruments. This could really start trending going forward. Look at Chris bringing home the bacon. Yay. I love it. Yeah, hey, all right. Um, I'm going to, I actually, I'm glad you, you brought up crude. I really wanted to talk about crude because, look, I, I actually think this is a failed breakout. And, and you know, I know that the, the highs back on October 25th were around the 86 level, but yeah. I'm really looking at the highs from like November ish that were around 84. 50 or so it's that blue line and if we close below that and we have a bearish candle uh, going into tomorrow you know i was actually i was thinking it was just going to be an uh, an evening star formation but i actually after, after seeing today's close that was a shooting star formation so i'm bearish and look if we can close below 84.50 tomorrow meaning i guess today <laughs> I'm trying to think when when everybody's watching this, but going into Thursday, if we close below 84.50, I'm looking for a six to ten percent move lower. Right. Now, I don't think crude's broken, but I but I do think that we're going to see a near term pullback. And I also have to mention that the overnight well uh, uh, the overnight um, RS not RSI uh, sentiment index, yeah. excuse me, sentiment index came in at 92, which is very, very high. 91 or 92, uh, one of those two. Yeah, so. great stuff. Yeah, interesting one there. So Blake's looking at um, crude below 84.50. If it breaks through there, then they could be seeing a 6% plus correction. I'm looking at lean hogs, a bit more expensive, but you pay for the movement on that. And if that trends, that could be a really interesting one. We're watching the bond market very closely because the NASDAQ, the Russell are watching that very closely. Gold and silver starting to break out, but this is a commodity story more broadly. Remember, if you like what you've heard today, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel so that you never miss one going forward. If you've got comments about anything that you've heard today, any asset class that we you think we should be covering in more in more breadth going forward and if you just want to sort of comment about something that, that, that one of the views that Blake or I've talked about leave it in the comment section we'd love to hear from you going forward but until next week this has been the trade-off and so from myself and Blake we wish you a good night